Thank you for listening to the Drums and Rums podcast. If you'd like to help support the podcast and our content on YouTube, become a Drums and Rums Patreon member, and please subscribe to the YouTube channel as we work to get towards 1,000 subscribers. Links are listed in the description of this episode. And thanks again for checking out this episode and all of our other past episodes. Hey all, it's Paul from Drums and Rums with the Backbeats Meets Spirits. Let's just get right to it, okay? This guy don't got time for all this foolishness. We're just going to get right to it. So let me introduce our guest to the podcast, recent competitor from the Discovery Channel's show Moonshiners and Master Distillers, Joe Jackson, a.k.a. High and Angry, a.k.a. J.J. Jax. And thank you for your service. How are you doing, brother? Man, I'm doing all right. <laughs> I, I like the intro, brother, Like, because, I mean, everybody's like, oh, where I find you at? And I'm like, well... You know, when you're when you're working in the uh in the thou shall not be namespace, you gotta have several different monikers. Yep. And that just you know, it works out for me that way. No, I I, <laughs> I I I totally understand, you know, and I, I try to weave carefully about try to keep the things separate, right? And I know you were talking, you know, on the Nooner Nation podcast is yeah, you you know, you guys got day jobs. I've got a day job, you know, it's paying the bills. It's keeping this fun going. You know, again, we all want to make that transition. So everybody wants to make that transition uh, to it. But yeah, I totally get it. I've, I've kind of got my moniker and, and so forth as well too, to kind of protect the innocence. And I've gotten to that point. I don't know if maybe you go through the same thing is, so what is your name? <laughs> what is your yeah, name? <laughs> oh, bro. Like, well, like th- that's the funny thing is like, I came up with so many different like characters that I do on my little live streams. It's like, are you Daddy Dark Maga? Are you Jimbo Jenkins? Are you Black Man Claws? Wait a minute, who is this guy? Like, how many how many different forms do you got? And I'm like, well, I mean, at the heart of me, I I think I'm actually hilariously enough fallen into what I really am uh, at this point, and you know. Hopefully, it can transition over to being my day job. So. Yeah, hey, hey, you know, hey, listen, Comedy Central. I know you're watching and listening, and uh, he he needs a show of his own. You got to watch his live streams. He's got a character. I love the pimp episode again. If you're listening to this and watching the video, you know you got to go check over on his his uh, his page or click on the live streams. And uh, he, he's got a I, and it's tough. I and I know you you can kind of feel is. When you're by yourself, and again, I'm typically by myself as well, unless I'm doing an interview show or so forth. I hate the ones where I do solo or if I do my happy hour. I do a live stream also on Thursday nights, you know, and I call it the biggest happy hour in a half an hour. It's a reason to drink, have fun, talk shit, whatever, our Florida man store, whatever the case may be. Maybe we do it live. <laughs> Maybe we'll take it yeah. out. I'll do a live on location kind of thing. I've gotten crazy about that. And then sometimes I just like to keep it in the studio, keep it simple. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's the same thing. It's very funny and so forth. So, yeah, so. Okay, so I talked about there, you know, the Discovery Channel there, so which was really cool. I got a chance to catch the episode, which aired back in January. And uh, I know, listen to the Nooner Nation podcast today, doing my homework. And I said, I know that podcast. It was like one of those, you know, you couldn't talk a whole lot because it hadn't aired yet, which is kind of, you know, kind yeah. of, I'm sure, very tricky. But let's, before we get really into all that, is, you know, where did you start? You know, how did it, because again, I, as I mentioned, you know, thank you again for your service, you know, military background there, your uh, army airborne, uh, you know, a couple tours. Again, like I said, I picked that up from the episode there watching the distiller show. And uh, yeah, so uh, how, how do we go? So I think, from, yeah, how do we go yeah, from I, all that to military distilling? You know, you're in Pennsylvania, so I'm sure there's a little bit of backwoods kind of action going on there, right? 
So I think it's like a, it's a multifaceted endeavor here. Like I, you know, I went to college. I was a, I went to university of Pittsburgh. I was a theater arts performance and philosophy major. Like, you know, who, what are you going to, what are you going to do with that other than like be in academia? Right. Like I, I had grand dreams of like, quote unquote, being an actor or whatever, like, and I did a lot of theater and stage performances around town professionally, but like, you know, that recession hit when I was getting out of college and I was like, bro, like I need to do something else. There's no jobs. There's nothing going on. It was like 2000, late 2007, early 2008. And I was like, I've always wanted to be in army. So I, (laughs) me being me, I was like, I'm going to join up. I joined. I was like, I'm going to be an airborne infantryman. Wow. I don't know. So that was, Sounds so that like was, fun. so that was, did you, you so you graduated and yeah. then, and then yeah. went to the army. Wow. Yeah. And I, okay. and I enlisted, like, uh, I mean, I know, I think Dan Holloway and those dudes talk about, it. I mean, he, he did the same thing I did is like, you graduate and you're like, now you know what? what? I don't want to be one of those guys. I mean, I want to be like a guy's with the guys mm-hmm. not like other than mm-hmm. so like i didn't go the officer route i just went straight enlisted i was an overpaid private which they make you a uh, e4 specialist like right when you get in it's really special <laughs> you're so overpaid private but so i i joined and you know did a couple of tours to afghanistan uh got out got into sales i mean i worked in the oil field in sales i've I worked all over in sales and I finally landed on something that's like really sweet. But, uh, but a couple of years ago, uh, man, I caught this bug. I, I started looking. It started with, uh, a YouTube channel. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Are you familiar with, uh, still it? No, no. So there's this guy in New Zealand and he's like, He's got like 500,000 followers now. Like Damn. he's killing it on YouTube. But I was like, this was back when he had like 3,000 followers like five years ago. And he just, he started making these videos where he's like, oh, yeah, this is how you, this is how you put a steel together. And I've got this boiler here and I'm going to put it together and it's going to be great. And we got to sort, we got to solder these joints up. And you put them together and it's like, you know, you got to make sure that. It's all tight and sealed up, and I'm like, damn. Oh, uh, JJ, let me pause you because I'm laughing because those those if you're listening to the podcast, you only can only can hear it here. You got to watch the video here. Tune over to the video here because it's 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 just sitting. You got to see the picture with the this the voice <laughs> the voice that he's doing. It's version <laughs> of a New Zealander. <laughs> he's Parts. like, yeah, well. I've got I've got all these things here, these parts and pieces, and we're gonna put them together. And I'm like, shit, this dude, like, I work in the pipe valve and fitting industry. Like, I can put together and solder some shit, and like, you're gonna make your own stuff, like, bro, like, what's holding me back? Mm-hmm. You know. And then you know, you go from a YouTube video, and you're like, and you start reading online, and you find out like, oh, I've I figured out what's holding me back, you know, outside of the bounds of things. And you're like, oh, shit. Well, that little idea was fun while it lasted. <laughs> but honestly, there's just something. 
Anybody who's ever caught that kind of bug, man, there's just something about it that just... It's it takes over your brain space, man. It, it's it's a it's a where you have art and science, right? It's that creativityness, and you know, it's like baking or something. And you're always, what about this? What about you know? Sometimes bartend or cocktail, you know, whatever they call them, uh, you mixologist. There's always a little bit of this, and yeah, yeah. I mean, and and that's like, and that's exactly where it fell in line with me because, like, I do. Uh, I used to cook barbecue professionally with my dad. My dad had a had a barbecue business where we traveled like literally, I mean, all the way out to like Reno, Nevada for oh, wow. a barbecue show. Um, and, you know, we cooked professionally. We've been to Memphis and May competition in Memphis. We placed there. Like, so like, I know that world of like competition cooking. So I looked at it and I was like, Bro, if I can make a recipe that is gangster as hell that I can like produce, own, and like have it for myself, like I love eating my own barbecue. Like, right. why wouldn't I love drinking my own shit? Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, so it really got me in a brain space where it's like, it was kind of like therapy, the same way barbecue had been for me. I was like, Oh, what about this idea? And then you go down this fucking rabbit hole where you're just like, <sighs> I read, I mean, I'm sure you heard it on the thing, but I like, I did, I like, I literally read online for like a fucking year before I did anything. Mm. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know, pick your poison, right? right. I mean, what do you, what do you like to drink? Right. Yeah. I, well, I think. It- you're asking rhetorically asking the question. I think you already know the answer to it's the name of the podcast. So, <laughs> but I'll always, well, in, in fairness, in I, honor I, of you, yeah. in oh. honor of you, I, I took from the Solera tonight oh. and I've got, uh, it's, it's the Solera. The oldest in the Solera is four years. Okay. Uh, blackstrap molasses. Uh, it's, it's pretty heavy profile. Like, I call it Jamaican heavy proof, mm-hmm. like high ester rum. Right. Because, and we can dive into this a little bit in a second. Yeah, but yeah. I use like muck pits and like all kinds of, like, I guess what I would consider like the cooler end of rum. Yeah. Kind of styles uh, to, to make my shit. So, the more, the more. So, cheers to you, sir. Yes. Well, thank you. I, look, I don't even have anything yet. Uh... Hold on. <laughs> Yo, since you said Jamaican. I'm going to grab some Dr. Bird for you. Oh, I like it. A little bit of funk, right? That's the Jamaican funk there, right? Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Here we go. All right. So, with your, cheers, with your rum... Yeah, cheers to you, sir. With your rum, do you prefer... I like 100 proof. Mm-hmm. I don't... I don't like there's a lot of these people out there that will argue for like 85, 90, like give me like a hundred, 105 all day long. Uh, For instance, rum fire. Mm, Yeah. Have you ever? Yep. I mean, that shit is, I would, if I could only buy one spirit 
for, you know, not the rest of my life, obviously, but if I could buy one spear, rum fire, like that shit is gang. It's, it's gangbusters. Right. Like they, they knocked it out of the park. It's heavy. It's high ester. It's clear, which most people are adverse to like, unfortunately. Right. And we can, we can talk a little bit about that, but yeah, it's clear, but it tastes so fucking good, dude. It's, it's, it's a, you know, too bad. You know, we didn't do the show, this episode, you know, early a couple, you know, a couple weeks ago or last week was, I told you to get your ass down here and come hang out with me was I was just at the Miami rum Congress. So it was a whole weekend of rum, you know, seminars, you know, the, a lot of the brands that were there, a couple, even people that attended that were, didn't have a booth. There was company distillers and companies that were kind of just scoping things out. You know, some of the new companies trying to figure things out. And, uh, it was, yeah, there's some, uh, you're, you know, it's, it, it is interesting as, as you know, rum, is probably the most versed wild west you know spirit that people don't quite get and understand and i think that, and again there's a lot of rum education that's been going on to kind of help people to understand what it you know what it is and uh mm-hmm. you know certain recognition for you know barbadian rum and or, or you know the, the greatest example people use is well no rum new rum not all rum is the same because you would classify you can't call bourbon if it ain't made in Tennessee, right? You can't call Scot it Scotch if it's not made in Scotland, you know, or so, yeah. so on and so forth, right? So it's, but yet rum is kind of got a whole nother, you know, another thing, right? So um, yeah, and the T the TTV doesn't even have. I mean, like the, there's no classification for. I mean, like literally, you can make a sugar wash and call it a rum because it's because it's, it's sugar and water, right? Like, or it's cane and water, right? right? Cane product and water. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, I I don't understand because, like, uh, what's the one brand? Uh, the one bottle that I, that I literally get every time I go to the liquor store because it's on our shelves in Pennsylvania is such a weird place. And they've got, like, a weird Commonwealth... Yeah, because you're, system, cause you're like control state, right? Yes, we are okay. a control state. Yeah. So the one bottle that I get is, uh, I think it's called Probitas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it, it's a uh, it's a blend. It's a it's a, I think it's a blend of uh, of uh, of a Hampton rum, right? And a blend of I think a I think they put a barbados rum in there i think they blend it together and it's a light blend so like but you get the heavy esters from the hampton rum and then you get the light flowery uh you know that essence from the the barbados rum but like that i mean you're talking well balanced like and if i can get it on the shelf that's the one Mm -hmm. but bro the rabbit hole is so deep on that end of the spirits realm like like yeah (laughs) <laughs> i i can't speak enough to it like i tried to uh i did a podcast with uh tansy from instill right with uh him and bill like this had to be like two years ago now almost yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> but i did a podcast like and i'm like there's so many different classifications like he's using jaggery right mm-hmm. like yep there's so many different ways to skin that rum cat that it's just 
it's impossible to cover them all uh, with a TTB classification. Right, yeah. And I know there's a big push to try to get away from the color naming, you know, gold rum and white rum and black, you know, it's like just because it's a certain, you know, it, you got to go a little further deeper into it, right? And um, and I think most people here that are not, that don't know, I don't want to say know any better, just because they're not aware, right? Educated or whatever, or, or even care, is very familiar because it's heavily marketed and it's 50% of the market is two big companies. And that's yeah. all they know is more of a molasses based rum. And yeah. that's, that's what they're used to because simply it's you order it. It's a, this and this, or you know, whatnot. And then you try to throw a, an agricole on them to try to open their mind yeah. a little bit. They're mind blown because it's like, this isn't rum. Why? Cause it's not sweet or, you yeah. know, or, or it's very, but, yeah. Fragrantly. But I think the same thing happens in, uh, I think hilariously enough, and, and I mean, like, not to shit on the TTB, I love shitting on them, but not to shit on them as much as possible. Uh, the same thing happens in the whiskey industry. Like, you go through classifications of things. Um, this, for instance, is a uh, 100% Gambrius honey malted whiskey. 100%. That's the only malt. It's a, so it's technically, according to the TTB, a single malt. But I can't put 100% Gambrius honey malt on the label because it's... I can put that on the back label as ingredients, but I can't put it as the thing. Yeah. So, but also, when it comes to the flavor profiles, when people think whiskey, they think brown. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, I mean, I know the whiskey snobs will hate me for this. I think that's a fucking disservice to the whiskey industry at large. And honestly, it's a disservice to the, so like most of the stuff that I would use as heritage grains in the first place or the heirloom grains, it's a disservice to the grain. Because right. now I'm just making, I mean, for lack of a better term, a tea inside of a right. barrel <laughs> and giving it a barrel influence that's going to... I mean, not mask all the grain flavor, mm. but I'm giving it oak flavor. Yeah. Like, fuck, give, just give it to me clear, bro. Right. Like, <laughs> I, you know, there's, there's times when I, you know, I kind of go in and out and I kind of, my mind goes off and then I kind of start thinking, overthinking. And I'm like, well, of course, you know, am, am, am I always thought about, you know, things can be more purist in a way because yeah, if you put it in a bourbon barrel, okay, now it's going to definitely have a different taste and texture all the things is that really this type of spirit you're trying to do like nobody's putting vodka in a bourbon barrel because that's not a profile but a lot of <laughs> rum a lot of rum hey hey, hey listen jj there, there's your idea there let's try something new here let's make some vodka throw it in a, bur- in a barrel a little char on it and it's, it's a new thing right <laughs> yeah <laughs> well but, but it's it's crazy to me that like so like a brand like a an established brand that's been around for, I don't know, how long has Hampton been, Hampton has still been around? It's been around for yeah. 190 years. Yeah. An established brand, a brand that used to make spirits for the fucking United Kingdom. Yep. At large. Has a clear spirit 
that tastes better than let's not let's put a conservative percentage. It tastes better than 35 to 38% of the brown shit that's out there that's been aged. Why aren't we drinking it? <laughs> and why do I have to special order it in my control state? <laughs> right. Well, there was a there was a uh going to blank now on the the rum I saw last year at an event and it ended up being it was a clear and that being the finished mm-hmm. product was clear but it was aged in a barrel and they charcoal filtered to get you know get the color out and then put it in bottle and you're like why is this clear spirit taste like it should be a darker color and it's it's kind of a, it's a mind fuck because you have a perceived notion already what certain things should be and then something like that flips the script and thinking this isn't uh this isn't what I'm drinking, right? So I don't know. No, this is it right here. Yep. This is a clear apple pie. Mm. And it's been it's been made by apple, like one hundred percent apple juice and apples, and then I throw a couple of handfuls of chocolate malt and a couple of handfuls of caramel malt into the ferment it ferments whoever distills it then it goes and it ages on oak lightly toasted american oak you put apples in it put a little bit of cinnamon cardamom etc and then it sits and macerates and then it gets redistilled and it's clear apple pie so when people taste it, they're like, where the fuck did the oak come from? Like, how did... Well, but, but that's the understanding that when you... Like, when you, I mean, invest the time to, like, go down that rabbit hole where it's like, what flavors can I harness and carry over in this vapor? Like, yeah. I, there's... It's there's, endless. It's endless, right? You know? They talk, it really is. They talk about that like in Haiti, right? I mean, it's almost as much as Haiti could be a really rough place to go visit. But you know, it'd be like one of those things to go to to go to uh, you know, the where in you know, where Claire and the distilleries and you know, again, I know it's made up of smaller little family farms and that they kind of there's a whole it's a whole it's a whole kind of cool aspect, I guess they're all working together. And but yeah, they're talking about that. There's maybe a papaya tree that's growing or this or that. And it's just the nature. It takes in the nature and the characters. Of, so it may not be the next time they, you know, do all that processing. It may not taste the same exactly from the previous one because it's. But that's the thing, Paul. That's the thing, Paul, is like if you look at the American whiskey culture and like, trust me, I'm, I make. Especially now because I've been invested in this distillery that I'm working with. Like, you make a good whiskey. It's, as a clear spirit, I like it better. But the thing about that industry is, is that it started with farm distilleries. And those farm distilleries, yeah, they all grew, like, one guy was growing barley, one guy was growing corn, one guy was growing rye. Right. And they all had surplus crops and got together. So the taste profile year over year was, oh, well, I had more surplus rye this year, so it became 
the high rye. I just had more corn this year. So now I guess we'll call it bourbon or I had, you know, like, <laughs> or I had a heavy, I had more wheat this year. And it's like, it's like, but that is the spirit that is behind spirits. Mm-hmm. I mean, in as much as the name evokes that, like it is the spirit of the people who are making it. It's the spirit of the place they're making it and the ingredients that they're gathering together to put inside of the damn thing. Like, right. And people got to start recognizing that within the industry, everybody's had a 51% corn bourbon. Uh, it's the same mash bills the MGP's making. We put it on wood for six years and it just, it kind of tastes kind of it tastes good it's kind of the same it's like let's start using like the jamaicans do like and like i like to do with rum a muck pit yeah bro i do a whole fermentation of straight blackstrap molasses and then once that's done fermenting you add muck from the muck pit and infect that bitch like (laughs) what wait you're doing what it's like no that's what gives it all the right, shit yeah. that you like. Yep. <laughs> but I guess I guess JJ right. It's tough where it's people are. I know I again. I don't want to say you know condition, but you know there's a certain taste profile, and you know whereas maybe in other parts of the world there's a different palate. You know again, it's all about the palates and in. But over time, let's say in the U.S. Right now again, people yeah. people don't realize rum was before whiskey. Became you know became yeah. whiskey, whiskey world here and rum <laughs> light, was, light years <laughs> right right I mean I know there's a lot of you know a lot of things and baggage that comes with the rum history but you know and then rum kind of went away and certain things and then it's kind of starting to come back and but that's what people are accustomed to and again a lot of heavy marketing and heavy this and this is what you're supposed to drink and this is what it's supposed to taste like and then it's like no it isn't not so yeah it's a it's a great that it's a wild west of different things and uh, and especially. You know, some you know talk. I love talking to distillers because, you know, the folks that are the distillers, you know, there's that that creativity, that passion. There's a cra- a craft, right, to making mm-hmm. something that it's yours. You you made this, and you're very obviously everyone's proud in what they do. And you know, I can I can tell you were very proud and you know your product. So, well, I I think it speaks. It also speaks to like. You know, I was on that Moonshiner Master Distiller. Yep. I mean, like, you think about, like, the moniker Moonshiner, and it's like, well, it's it's old white dudes in overalls <laughs> with long gray beards. And no shirts. And, and no shirts on. And no shirts. Yeah, no shirts on, right? And, and, they're, and they're, you know, running shine in the backwoods, and it's like, I... I look at it and you you know if you can bring up the 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 story past of rum rum was one of the most heavily bootlegged oh yeah things on ships with sails not nascars yep you're talking ships with sails they were bootlegging that shit around the world right and that's where not that's where a, we got the term rum runner from right yep exactly yep. exactly so like Screw being a bootlegger. I want to be a rum runner. Like that, that story past is like way deeper in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah, the history. And, uh, yeah. So speaking of the, let's come back there because I think it's a good segue into, you know, obviously, you, you know, getting into this, how you got into the stilling, the interest and kind of the, the bug 
that you get, you know, you got bit and, you know, taking it easy and not going too, too head first into it. And then obviously yeah. I know mentioned on the show, which we'll talk a little bit about is uh, the Moonshiner show was, uh, I know you made a reference to when you were building, you know, I don't want to give away too much, but you know, when you were building your, yeah. your, you know, your still was, you mentioned that like, yeah, I know a thing about, you know, copper fittings and I'll make this work. I was like, <laughs> so anyway, I don't want to give away too much, but yeah. So, so you mentioned, you know, you, you make, you know, you work with a stiller. So that's the question that I have with, you know, like people that go on the show, some do have a background or have a business versus some that are still, I don't, I'm not saying backwards. Yeah, Outlaws. yeah, yeah. I, I'm not that's trying not to, yeah, I'm not saying backwards in a, in a bad way of saying it, but again, that's kind of, kind of what it is, you know, but how does, how do people get on that show that so without, without allegedly, allegedly, you know, and without incriminating themselves with a three letter government agency showing up? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, uh, I think there's a misguided perception um, and this is one thing that like, I will profess to the day I die. I know there's a lot of people out there that do the same thing as me. Um, the last count that I had from, from a very reputable source, um, and not that I do any of this, but the last count that I had, there's about 750,000 home distillers in the United States of America. Wow. That's a um, lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, wow. and and I would say out of that seven hundred and fifty thousand, I mean, there's probably I would say seven hundred forty six thousand nine hundred and ninety nine that have absolutely nothing to do with the illicit monikers that people label them with, like moonshiner right. or uh outlaw or whatever they're just people i mean honestly and this i know this sounds terribly boring they're just people who tried making beer and like their first beer got an infection and they're like fuck making beer yeah (laughs) right but at the same time it lends itself to uh you know something like this show where when I applied, so you apply to be on the show, like you, you send an email to the casting call director and I sent an email to the casting call director, like no face, no name, no nothing. I was just like, Hey, look, I, I literally put in there. I was like, the only thing I put in there was in which probably got me on the show. So I don't really care. It was like, I'm a veteran uh i went to afghanistan a few times i would love to be on the show which i mean worked out for me (laughs) right yeah but at the same time there was i asked the uh the woman who produces it uh how many applicants they had for the overall season and she said that they had like sixty thousand applicants jeez that that, okay let's let's pause there to indeed like you said not do the numbers so these means that do are, the math, man. Yeah. So it means that there are some that are. Like, I've seen some shows where they've come in and they have their own distillery. They're actually a business. Those are always the ones I'm like, man, they can't blow this because it's dangerous going onto a show where you're a. Uh, 
again, I'm trying to, I use probably the wrong terms to define somebody like, I want to say credible, and again, then it diminishes others, but, but that's I, not the word. I think you know where I'm going with it, like an yeah. established, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's like, you yeah. go on an established. An established distiller. And yeah. you lose, I mean, you lose to the guy who's doing in the, you know, in the backyard. That says, yeah. but again, it's like the, you know, all the other shows, you've got a certain amount of time. There's pressure, and I know there's editing, and you know, we'll, I'm sure you'll share some of the secrets there, but you know, but yeah, but sorry, go ahead, JJ. No, I I, I look at it and I'm like, sixty thousand. So out yeah. of that, out of sixty thousand cats, and I mean, I knew that they had a, they also had a back pool or a backlog of people whom they had been wanting to get on the show as well. So like, that's not even including those people. So it's like, okay, well, what qualifies you to do it? I, I thought that I, you know, struck lucky because I fell into the veteran category, which is great. Um, but at the same time, I don't know that they, out of those 60,000, like how many people were willing to swing for the fences? Mm-hmm. Like, and that to me, is the whole point of doing the majority of any of the it like I used to do a barbecue with my dad. Like my dad would be like, Oh, we we would go to the big barbecue competition and be like, You can't change the rest the sauce recipe is the sauce recipe is the sauce recipe. And I'm like, bro, I like it, but if we put a little bit of cumin powder and we do this and we like tweak it just a little bit, make it a little bit sweeter, we're I know where we're at and they like sweet. Right. You know, uh so the same thing with the competition where it's like introduce I don't know how many people were in that pool that were like ready to introduce something new or different or maybe not liked in terms of like profile but were willing to do it right you know <laughs> like uh, you know and and, uh, and I think you mentioned that on the new you know the Nooner Nation show there was uh you know from a couple weeks ago was yeah, you got to go out there and, and and swing for the fences. This is the opportunity. You're in front of the camera. People get rec- you know your recognition. You got to you know go for it here. Not you. You got to go in. You got to go into as you're talking about the barbecue. You got to go in into it with the mindset. You're here to win. You know, and kick ass and take names. You know, in a in a not a dickish kind of way, but you're here to shine. You know, you shine. Yeah, there you go. Put, no pun intended. No pun intended. That, that slipped out. That was. I didn't mean that. <laughs> that's not my script here. <laughs> Shine on. That's, that's right. Yeah. Oh Jesus. So. <laughs> so yeah. So I'm, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was I was just thinking about it, like you know, and being on like getting the opportunity, like when I got the phone call to go and do it, uh, you know, after a semi laborsome or cumbersome. Uh, like interview and screening casting call process like to be able to go and do it I think for me uh, it gave me the credibility to like do what I intended to do you know anyways like but it just gave me more credibility so like you know I'm working right now and putting out a legal bottle and working on you know, mash bills for more, you know, sanctioned things. Like it, I think it just, if you want the confidence, this distilling industry is 
it's just like everything else. Like I'm a professional salesperson by trade and for a living. Like if you want to do anything where you're going to be successful, like you've got to establish that credibility. And yeah. hilariously yep. enough, like this show has done that for a lot of folks. Like, you know, I, I think there's probably out of the, I guess, at this point, 70 episodes, I think they have. There's probably like 30 distilleries that have opened up out right. of like that's... the people who've been on those shows. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you, you, you know, right. I know you, as you said, that you were kind of half serious, half joking, taking a shot at it. There's some that maybe go on to it full in because the reward is, it is, like I said, there's uh, the other side of the, of that you have the recognition, the name, getting your product in, you know, into their, you know, uh, distribution and in, into their place. Um, I, you know, and I was thinking about this the other day was another re- reality show, which, you know, somewhat loose, you know, uh, no, anyway, reality show. Uh, it was re- a repeat of Shark Tank. And they showed an ep- episode where it was kind of like a, we brought the guy back. So they all turned down this guy's product they all said no and this doesn't make sense why would you need this he left didn't get a deal somehow got deal lined up and end up being the ring camera they passed on the concept of the ring camera so again he comes back on and they're like yeah they kind of screwed that one up they didn't see that one and and sure (laughs) enough we all know what turned into you know he had a different name you know i guess whatever it was but they rebranded and named and so forth but it's like that's what it became so but I think also, from what I understand, I could be wrong, I could be right, is the same thing. They go on to those shows, and even if they don't get a deal or whatnot, I think ABC still gets a little bit of something. There's, Of course, you're getting on, at least if you get on the show, and even if you don't get anything out of it, you're still getting something out of it, because now you're on, you're on Shark Tank, as seen on Shark Tank, even if you didn't get an actual deal, right? So I could see, you know, even yeah. if you've been on the show, or, or people, if they w- did win the competition, was... They were still a master distiller. You know, I had a guy, uh, one of my guests early on, he lives here in my town. He was a contestant on uh, Hell's Kitchen, you know, <laughs> you know, and yeah, uh, same, same type of, same type of deal. And, and, and I look at it, you know, to, to be like totally honest, I, I love the exposure. I think it, it has done a great service for me. I think that, you know, the show itself there, I mean, there really aren't any losers in my opinion. Like you're right. You get to do a legal run of liquor on TV. Yeah. Like legal sanctioned. Like you sign, you do the mash bill, like you do all the steps that is according to the TTB. Like every, you know, there's somebody watching you like chill your, you know, do use your wort chiller and like pitch your yeast and do all the shit. But at the same time, like, the off-camera stuff is, is if they're filming five other episodes of this show around you, bro, all of you guys are at the hotel every night together. Yeah. And the amount of, like, distilling knowledge. Yeah. Whether it's legal, because half of the motherfuckers are legal, like, head distillers at big places sometimes. And then the other half of us are like, oh, like some of us have been doing it for five years. Some of us have been doing it for 35 years. Right. 
So like that amount of knowledge packed into one place, man, I learned so freaking much right. just sitting, you know, I, I, of course I cooked barbecue as a baptism to them on, on, uh, on what shit should taste like, but, uh, <laughs> but I mean like that knowledge, I would take that over winning anything every day, like right. to have that amount of people that have, it's not it. Everybody says industry knowledge, like industry knowledge is shit. You go to marketing folks with that's that's industry knowledge. Like what what's gonna sell? Does your label what does your label look like? What how are you branding? I I, I get like, it. I I, and I know it's 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 terminology is used. I hear what you're saying. I agree what you're saying. Then I also agree that it is probably a term that's poorly utilize overutilized in the wrong context right it, yeah. I, I do agree yeah, yeah. I, I i get what you're saying you know again it's industry knowledge okay your craft knowledge or yeah you're again everybody's got to get thrown into a, a the right bucket of <laughs> things to to you know we're all supposed to belong to something right but uh yeah, yeah. I, that but you know and, and it's it's awesome when i i see a lot of that you know when i go to the rum events here in florida or talk to others I, there was one back in Miami uh, event that I went to in November and uh, they did a seminar there and uh, the owner of, you know, uh, Maison Fran, you know, the owners of the, the, the owner of plantation rum, right? Let's just make it easy. Yeah. He was okay. there and they were talking, it was mostly a, a seminar session of, you know, plantation stuff, talking about the history. And I, dude, that, that's one one I was like, man, I would love to go to plantation, just hear the stories and see the production, see the you know, Barbados and all that stuff. And, you know, there was a couple other distillers that were there in the audience, I guess, attending that session. And they were just taking it all in. They're like, okay, you were learning at the the the, the feet of, of, you know, people that have been doing it, for, you know, as a company of men hundreds of years and in a larger scale. And, you know, you're asking questions. And, and he you know, um, they were very open about it. They're like, hey, I had this question, you know, and it's great that they're not so worried about, oh, I'm, I don't want to tell you because you make, you know, it's. So, which is really cool, is what you're describing there is that there's a there's a a brotherhood or or a you know a, a real kinship of people that are enjoying each other, or the you know asking questions and learning, and again, there's nobody should be afraid of anybody, because every you know if anyone's afraid of any what any of the spirits that each person probably makes, then you should be worried. You need to step up your game if you're not thinking that your stuff is the shit. Everyone should be thinking that, right? Dude, I mean, like I. I, I think it took me, I mean, it took me several years to like believe that about myself, but like going there and, you know, everybody says also like, oh, well, the judges are just these guys from this moonshiner show and what do they know? They don't know shit. Like they're just hillbillies <laughs> from the woods. And it's like the so, like, the generations of gentlemen and women who have placed their time and effort into making what we call American whiskey or bourbon, American whiskey and bourbon, that is these guys. Mm -hmm. Like, fight me or not about it. Like, go ahead. But, like, just, like, for Digger and... Digger uh, and Mark, Mark Wayne Ramsey and Digger Manus, like those two guys worked with Popcorn Sutton, like, 
And he was a notorious moonshiner for decades. Like, people were buying his stuff because it tasted good. But he got his information from somebody before him who got it from somebody before them. Yeah. And it's like, that's the American whiskey story. Right. But it got suppressed because of, you know, all the laws. Mm -hmm. But that's the American whiskey story. It's not uh, like some of these distilleries, and not to hate, I'm not hating. I, I just think it's poignant to, or I think it's pointed to point out that like some of them went illegal during Prohibition and then like two years into Prohibition came through and were like, oh, well, we'll make medicinal whiskey. And then they opened back up and made medicinal whiskey. And then after Prohibition, because they were making medicinal whiskey during Prohibition, bro, they were big, they were the biggest cats on campus. They right. didn't even have like because they had that established thing. Head, because it was a head start. All, yeah. It was a head start. Yeah. Exactly. So there's like just like with rum, there's so many ways to skin the American whiskey story cat. But I think what you have to understand is that like the base knowledge around all of this entire industry uh, is captured in the people who are doing it. And I think that with this show, the Master Distiller show in particular, you know, they do it well enough in a 45 minute show to capture the people who are making the thing that it gives a voice to the spirits that people are consuming. Like I know if I sat down or if I, if I was sitting and I was watching a, a Super Bowl commercial that wasn't, uh, what was it? Uh, Ryan Reynolds, mm -hmm. Ryan Reynolds with aviation gym. Yep. Okay, cool. I love me some Ryan Reynolds, but who is the person that's made? I know the story, like the real story behind aviation gym, but I want to know the distiller and like, bro, what botanicals are you using? Like, yeah. look, tell me the process <laughs> right. because that shit is what gives it value to me. Not Ryan Reynolds telling me some jokes. Right. That's great for branding. And that'll, that'll get you. People think that that gets you sales that gets you on the shelf. I know that from like sales experience that'll get you on the shelf. That doesn't mean it's going to sell. Right. Because in a state like where I live at, where there's a control board, you can only get on the shelf so many places. That'll get you on the shelf. But is it going to sell? Right. You got to move. I right? don't know. Yeah. You got to still you move. You got to move it. You can move. And yeah, heavily marketing. Um, yeah, a lot of the celebrity. What involvement? You're right. I mean, no celebrity is actually. Well, how many, how many celebrity rum brands have you tasted? Not, like I said, we're not hating you. We're not hating. I, let's see. Let's, all right. So at least Sammy's Beach Bar stuff. Right. Bruno yeah. Mars. Why am I why am I drawing a blank? It, that's the two that come to mind real easy. So uh, there's more tequilas than there are rums, mm, I, yeah, I, I, I yeah. think. Right. At this yeah. point. Just because tequila is like this shit is taking off, man. Hey, like, I well, it's funny is that I I know we're getting way off topic here, but I, I remember I remember <laughs> remember like ten, like like maybe 10, 15 years, however long ago. I remember hearing the story that that because even back 
so it's not re- so recent, but further back that there was a concern about a tequila shortage because the agave wasn't keeping up with the demand or they didn't see it becoming a boom. And then it's again, it takes seven years to harvest, you know, agave to make the tequila and yada, yada, yada. And, but again, you're right. It's, it's a whole boom. And there's a, uh, a distributor here in, in uh, locally that I, you know, do some, do some uh, live streaming with. And he, he said the same thing. He goes, man, if I can just get a tequila company, because you know, these Mexican restaurants, they'll doesn't, it almost doesn't even matter what it is or whatever. It's another brand that they can put up, you know, and they have it. It's like, that's kind of crazy. But. I think it's, I think it's one of those things where, uh, with that industry, like I've said, not to get too off topic, <laughs> my buddy G, my buddy GP, he was, he was a Marine. He's a combat wounded dude. He was on master distiller on, uh, on the tournament. It was a t- the tournament that was the three episodes before that one I was on. Uh, he makes tequila, tequila, and he's got his own distillery essentially and brand out in uh, Southern California. And I mean, he told me like, and a lot of other people have told me like, if you're so tequila is one thing, but if you're gonna make fucking mezcal because to not all, no mezcal is tequila, but all tequila is mezcal, I guess, is the okay, yeah, is the way it's generalized. <laughs> but basically, you don't have to use the blue agave in like a mezcal. You can use other different agave plants, different penas from different agave plants. And he was like, bro, they grow everywhere around Southern California. Mm. Like all the different types of agave grow everywhere. And he, he's like, you can harvest a hundred different types of agave and freaking roast it, ferment it, yeah, cause, distill it. Yeah, because I mean, I know most of it's made in Mexico, right? But I mean, I guess, is there actually, Amer- I, again, I, I'm asking because I've, again, I'm, this is a rum show. No, nah, this is a rum <laughs> <laughs> But, but I mean, like, same thing, like, so with, uh, with the tequila, like, they're in the mezcal category, according to the TTB, because that's the only way that it's regulated. There's tequila, and then there's mezcal, right? But in the mezcal category, it doesn't have to be the blue agave penas that they're using. It can be, I don't, I don't know the variety, I'm not a horticulturist, but like, all they can be like all different varieties of uh, right. agave penas. Like, right? There's probably hundreds. Like the aloe, like Al- the aloe plants and shit. All that shit is all agave, essentially. All like, tied to it. It's all tied to the same type of plant. Yeah. All right. But the same thing with rum. I mean, look at rum, bro. Like, there's people using cane juice. Yep. Jaggery, blackstrap. Like it's, <laughs> the list is, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not, it's endless. Almost. It's not one single thing that you can fit it into the box, even though there's more of a, more of like we talked about more of a geographic push to, you know, put a GI, a geographic index, you know, indicator on it, as opposed to, you know, like we said, gold or white or silver or whatever the case may be spiced, you know, again, technically spi- spiced rum isn't actually technically rum, but it's called rum. And, Hey, hey, I got a question for you. When did, you know, and, and this I know it's been a, it's been like this for a while, but I you know, this is probably like a couple of years ago that hit me was I'm like walking in the liquor store, I'm like, 
when the hell did Kahlua become rum? Or at least it's on the label. You know, it's on the front of the label. And I'm like, I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I, so it just kind of, anybody calls, so you, you, you can put rum on any labels and you talk about the labeling. I don't know why, you know, how some of it gets away with it, but again, there's no, well, I don't know. That's like nine, 90% of these. I mean, like from what I have found and like looked into is that like 90% of these RTDs that are on the market, they all use a rum base spirit for their RTD. Right. Whether it's, I mean, because it's the most available. So like, you know, history of rum, like I'm not a, I am a history buff, but I'm not like, you know, super well-versed. But from what I know, like even look at Hampton, like they, up until a couple of years ago, I think something like 60% of their product, they would ship to Europe to be used in the perfume industry. <laughs> Nobody knew that. Yeah. Like, nobody, like, still, no. like, you go and you look at, like, the quote-unquote mash bills for perfume for, like, Givenchy and uh, all the French shit. And it's like, oh, heavy ester, high ester rum. It's like, oh, where did you get the pineapple smell from? (laughs) Well, they fermented it down there, and then they shipped it to your ass. Like, that's how that shit happened. Hey, JJ, hey, JJ, listen, don't call me out if I spill my drink, my rum drink all over me and, you know, people think that I've put some cologne on, okay? Don't don't call me out, okay? Or maybe that's, that's a good call. But, but once you get, like, literally, if you, if some people, like, notice that in their head, mm-hmm. like Chanel number no. 9, I think it is, if you knew that part of that or some of your favorite scents had... Heavy, high ester Jamaican rum in it. If you knew it, and then you smelled it, you'd be like, "Shit, there's fucking rum in this." Get me and some. And I did it. I, I went to the. I went. I went to Nordstrom's, and I was like, "I was like, bro, like, oh my god, there's there's rum. This is rum in this. There's rum in this one. There's rum." In, and then you get on the website, and you're like, "Oh, there is. There's rum in this one. There's rum in this one. There's rum in this one." And it's like that was the industry for that product beyond the rum runners mm-hmm. who are selling it for consumption. That's it. That's I like, didn't know that. I, yeah, I didn't know that. That's kind of interesting. Cool. All but, right. uh, sorry. No, that, so that's, no, that's, I, no, that's, that's cool. <laughs> I, I guess I've, I've never heard anybody talk about that. And, and I mean, it's one of those, uh, I'm not saying that it shouldn't be surprising, but again, there's, if there's anything that has any level of alcohol, it's got to come from something, you know, from some type of, you know, pr- process that we're sipping on, you know, similarly, similarly sipping on. So, so JJ, let me yeah. ask you about, all right. So again, I don't want to give away too much. Again, if people haven't seen the show um, already is, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, uh, so the, your, what you made on the show. So it was a, mm-hmm. a what'd you call it? It was s'mores whiskey. Well, I, I started with a base, which I do. I called it the chocolate smoke bomb bourbon <laughs> for the show. I mean, like, you put whatever fucking name. Like, I'm a showman. I don't care. <laughs> Essentially, it's a, uh, it's like a scotch mash bill, pretty much. Uh, but I used, I think it was 
75% uh, malted blue corn, uh, 75% malted blue corn, 20% uh, heavy peated smoked, heavy peated malted barley, and then 5% uh, chocolate malted barley. So for dramatization purposes, I called it this chocolate smoke bomb bourbon because it's high corn, right? Right. Uh, but so I started with the base of that, and then I had done some experimentation of because they want to do a flavoring run. Like, mm. that's the thing. So, like, down south in, like, Tennessee and, like, you go to Gatlinburg, the majority of shit is, like, candy in a jar, right? Like, that's what they promote. Like, it's candy in a jar. What can, what flavors can you get today? It's, like, sour apple, blueberry muffins. Right. Like, so I thought to myself, I was like, well, I don't know anybody out there who's doing a s'more. I'm going to try it experiment and see if there's a s'more that I can do. So I infused after distilling, I had infused my uh, low wines and ran it through uh, some marshmallow fluff and graham cracker crumbs and, and other, uh, other sundries. I think they achieve this. Their 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 minds were blown when they saw you bust out the fluff. They're like in the graham crackers. <laughs> They're like, "What are you making over there?" You know, but uh, well, this, this is the jar. This is the jar uh, of what's left because they don't show it. So TV magic, they drank like I don't know how many production people drank part of this jar. Oh, okay, but there was like. It was when I got it back. It was not where it was when they showed it on the fucking clip. Where it's like we're back. It was like down to here, bro. I was like, who drank all the damn yeah. booze I just made? I'm like, yeah, this is ridiculous. You got well. There's got to be a lot of fucked up people running around because they're all all that stuff is over 100 proof, uh, right? Yeah. Oh my shit! When it was coming off on that second run, dude, I was lucky. I was lucky if it was coming off under 170, bro. Wow! Like, wow! Like I proofed it down <laughs> with spring water, but like, yeah, yeah. And and now when you do that, because I don't, I don't remember if I've ever seen um any humans come on the show and actually did their own like measurements, uh, checking the proof or anything. And most of it is the distillers are all just kind of by feel and by taste. Oh, okay, you are using one or no? Oh, okay, no. This is what I do and check all of my things <laughs> by normally, but right. you know, they want you to be the master of the bead, right? You know, shake it. It's got big bubbles, it's got little bubbles. How long do the little bubbles last? Mm -hmm. And you know, you gotta figure it out from there. And that's a, so yeah. People don't you know, they watch the show. They probably don't quite get that. I mean, that's a an interesting thing. The shaking of the bottle. You know, it's not just for cool for TV. It's an actual yeah legit thing, right? I mean, you can you can get like I can probably well mostly because I know what these are, but but I mean, like you can you can figure out really close and get really really good at it within like. I don't know, 3%. Oh, wow. Is I think the closest that I've ever seen somebody do it, like where it's like, oh, this is supposed to be 
95%. And it's like, oh, it's 96 wow. or 98. That's, you know, that's, that's pretty impressive. So, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I had I enjoyed it again. You know, I know it was part of the show, and I do watch the show, and it was actually cool to see somebody. You know, and I was telling them, I'm like, we were sitting there watching it last night, and my kids walked, and I'm like, hey, I said I'm going to interview that guy tomorrow, tomorrow <laughs> night. I'm going to interview that guy on TV. There, the guy in the orange the shorts, guy in, the, the guy, guy in the short shorts. shorts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if everybody look, knows, yeah, if you everybody it, knows it, yeah. So if you're listening to this or watch or watching the video, there, if you haven't seen this episode yet with uh, on the Discovery Channel, go watch it on demand or whatnot or on the website. I don't know wherever you can find it nowadays. Discovery uh, yeah. Plus, I you gotta think check it's out. It's gonna be on there soon. You gotta check out JJ's legs. He's showing a lot of legs in this uh, this uh, this episode. What was that? Your your boy your boy that lives down by you, uh, Lance Lance Liggett from Five Huggers. I think he lives down there. Why is the name? He lives in Florida. He lives in. He lives in Florida. He lives in, I think, I think he lives outside of Orlando or something. Okay. Okay. By that joint, but yeah, his whole his whole company, Thigh Huggers, they're right out of there. <laughs> I know. I said like, because of you know, like, you know, no, you know, I know Eric and you know, and uh, yeah, uh, the couple of the people and again watch the Drinking Bros and the other shows and so forth. They learned so much about the you know the military without after they've been in the military, but some of the uh, interesting things and so forth. It's all about the short shorts. Ties ass guys out. <laughs> That's I. I think you really definitely threw threw um threw him for a loop when he was you were giving him a hard time about the sun's out, guns out. He was asking, he's like thighs <laughs> out, guys out. I was like, That's a new. Well, one. I told him, I told him like, and that's like the TV magic of the thing because it was like, because he asked me, well, number one, one of the cats literally like he walked, they were walking in, we were all, you know, off camera you had to wear the mask and like we did like a million COVID tests and all this shit and but like one cat walked up to me uh it was mark wayne ramsey he walked up to me off camera and he the first thing he said to me when he met me he like shook my hand he's like i will thank you for your service and then he goes well what happened to the rest of your britches So when Tim said that shit on the show, I was like, and he's like, are those uh, uh, army issued? I was like, skies out, thighs out. And that's why I was like, hey, bro, if you lend me some of, some of your, or if I lend you some of my shirt, I'll lend you some of my pants, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's funny. That's funny. So, so yeah, so, so it sounds like, yeah, it's, you know, I know a lot of times people go on the reality shows or TV and, and it kind of turns out not to be how they, you know, how the finished product portrayed them and, you know, sometimes, you know, but it sounds like it was, you know, it turned out you were pleased with the output, you know, the product, the, you know, the, you know, the results of the show. We won't say, you know, again, we won't say, you know, if, if you were the, the winner or not, so you all have to go check out that episode there and, you know, follow, follow everything. We'll get to the shameless plugs at the end here, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was definitely, like I said, I enjoyed it. I guess I watched the show every so and that's why I'm always, and I said, Diaz is, so exactly, how does this all work? Because if people walk in the storyline, it's like, yeah, I'm making my back, my backwoods, and you know, like, how does somebody not walk into it? It's like a a Dateline, you know, there's a sting operation for pedophiles. You walking into this yeah, show on TV, you, you, you don't want to walk, you don't want to walk into the buzzsaw, <laughs> right? Like, and and that's what I. So I think the biggest thing about it was is like when I agreed to do it, I was like, this cannot be exploitative. Uh, like, I know a lot of cats. And there's been episodes of, of that show where it's like, 
a lot of cats let it be like people will exploit you at every turn, like no matter what. So like not letting it be exploitative of me was kind of my goal, but also to like, I wanted it to be a building block for further things to come. And that's, that's how I approached it. And I think like more people, I mean, unless you're on like, you know, was that married at first sight or whatever, like, I guess (laughs) you got problems, but like, I think there's more, like any of these shows where it's like cooking or uh, baking or whatever, like don't let it be exploitative of you. You have what you have and you're there because most of you are there because you know what the fuck you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like, or you have a really great personality, right? But, you know, you know, use shit to your advantage. Like I, I, I encourage everybody who has even a platform like a podcast, like use stuff to your advantage, man. Like, I, you know, you never know what can, could come of all of this, uh, on the back end. Right. Right. I, I, I think that's an excellent point. JJ is you never know, take every opportunity. Like it could be your last. And cause you never know, if this could be the one or that was the right moment that you may have missed and not realized it. Right. Is yeah. That, I think that's a perfect, perfect. Bro, I, yeah. I told my wife, I told my wife years ago, I was like, bro, I used all my night or I used eight of eight of my nine lives, uh, serving in the army. I was like, I got this last one left to go <laughs> and I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to take every, I'm going to take the opportunities that I feel like. Yeah. I can take advantage of, and you know, this was one of them. So, right. So before before we get into the, you know some of the the wrap up here and the and the rapid fire again, as I'm glad I you know again I did my homework again when you reached out to me and you know like your tag on the, in the chat there for uh, <laughs> you know failure to stop show was high you know ang- high and angry and I was like uh, okay I'm I'm not quite sure what I'm getting into here and you, ex- you explained it right and again on the show you know why the name and so forth which is kind of cool so. So I guess that this isn't too much of a giveaway then too. Again, let, you know, t- tell me again where high and angry comes from. Yeah, man. High, high and angry. is it was, so I used to, at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, I used to have to get a haircut every week. Uh, I used to go to a little Korean barbershop that was on Yakin road outside of Fort Bragg. And you could literally tell the broad, like, you know, I want the highest angriest high and tight that I can get. And the lady, the little Korean lady would put her hand on top of your head with her like four fingers on top and she would just cut around it and fade it all the way up to the top of her hand. And that was, that was a, I mean, my soldiers called it, you know, my high and angry, high and tight because <laughs> it was high and it made me look angry as fuck. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't because you had really, you know, uh, you know, like you're driving in a convertible and your hair kind of goes all over, like jumping, jumping out of a perfect, jumping out of a perfectly no. good airplane, right? Without a, you know, no, no, it was, it was not as, uh, we call that the, so there, there's a difference between like what you got to do in the 82nd airborne every day. And then on Fort Bragg, that's also the homeless, uh, special operation forces, like in training, so those guys have what we call the uh, special operations quaff. Mm-hmm. The uh, the whole high and angry haircut thing, you know, kind of came from there. 
just because my soldiers were like, I mean, they're really adamant. I was, I was admittedly kind of an asshole when I was a sergeant in the army, like, but that's just like the normal airborne infantry way of doing things. So the haircut just kind of fit the mold. And uh, mm-hmm. that's how I kind of gained the moniker. <laughs> I am angry. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's why I said it's not illicit. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's, it's and you know, and I did notice and I did notice, right. Is when you brought your, your jars up to them, you had your uh, logo on the jars. So very good. Very good on the. Yeah, man. On your, on you, your, gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta yeah. be all about, you gotta be all about the branding. For sure. All about the, you know. That's right, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, it was great because they actually said it on air, and I was like, "Oh shit! I didn't know you guys were gonna actually say." It. I get it. Hey, thanks, thanks for the plug. I mean, I don't know how many people are gonna look it up, but right. Thanks hey, for I, the plug. Do you? I mean, do you know since it's aired? Has have you seen a little bit of you know attraction or hits or lookups, search or whatever? Uh, not on YouTube. Mm. Uh, because I didn't like particularly broadcast. I had a podcast on there just just because I didn't like. Number one, you don't want to like be broadcasting like, oh look, yes, I have a podcast that I'm doing. Yeah, you over like, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to like overplay your hand. But number two, like <clears throat> I have seen on like Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, like all of that. So that's definitely been definitely been cool just to see. Yeah, you need need to get back on the live streams. I look. I get it. That's, it's tough. I, I'm, I've got the sympathy, sympathy, empathy, whatever the word is. There is, uh, you know, it's when you're, pro- yeah, you're probably doing it by yourself. You're setting everything up. You know, you're not only the producer. You're the tech guy. You're the star. You're the, you're the everything, <laughs> right? You know, you got to keep the keep the party going. And uh, I hear you, man. I, 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 I dig that. Like I said, I've watched some of the lives, and I'm like, holy shit. You know, JJ is out there, and I love it. It's like. <laughs> He's a character, man. I said we got to do something together. So, uh, for sure. definitely, man. Yeah. I appreciate I appreciate you having <laughs> me on. Like I, I, I mean, like I, you know, and people. Somebody asked me one time. They're like, "How do you come up with the ideas that you do?" And the reason for folks listening, the reason I haven't been doing live streams uh, is literally because I'm filming other things, mm-hmm. and we'll put that we'll put that out there right okay. now. I'm filming uh a couple of other things uh that will air on television oh are you so go ahead i was gonna say are you gonna be in ross's next movie (laughs) man if homeboy invited (laughs) me to be in his next movie i would but i mean you know he's gonna have to talk to my agent yeah (laughs) come on come on ross we all want to see another another part two of this right as it, it's, yeah. it's it's crazy right so let me real quick and then we're gonna get the rapid fire here so again you, you know you, all right so you know eric you know right and you guys are you know you've been on the other podcast together and now see share share you know you know the uh the relationship as you know both serving in the army and obviously both yeah. distillers and and so forth and also podcasters too right you know it's almost you know you can't see yeah you know, eric's on everything so <laughs> so when i was you know when i got it i i, I met eric First through the rum side of things, he had posted in the Florida Rum Society, and you know, and then I something posted, and I was like, "Oh, I live in Florida too," and this, this, and this, and then they kind of started talking. Then you know, we started sharing some messages, text messages, whatever you know, 
he goes, oh, yeah, I'm on this show, and I've been doing with these guys. And he starts talking about, you know, the drinking bros, and I start following, the, watching the shows and, and so forth, learning more about that. And, you know, again, I, I know maybe I'm, because I'm not ex, ex-military, is some of the references and, and kind of understand some of the life and, you know, some of the things, you, you know, y'all had probably gone through. But anyway, so it, it's fun from time to time, right? So, so it was a rum side of things, and then started following when he did his tailgate show, started doing it at the failure stop, and continue on and so forth. So, the crazy thing is when he was kind of giving me a little backstory about all the drinking bros and Ross and everything else, the whole how it all started. I said, okay, I always knew there was a black ruffle coffee seemed to be a ref, you know, kind of tie to things. Mm-hmm. And and I said, you know, I said, holy shit, I've watched you know that the movie. Before I even know who these guys were, and I, and I think it was and it was it was because of Matt and all his crazy oh Matt Best right all his videos I used to watch all his stuff and I was like you know on on Facebook and in YouTube whatever and I was like oh they're coming out this cool show and you know again I didn't know it's just yeah the little small world I guess you kind of call it that dude you know it's the smallest world it's the smallest world possible because I mean I was at Fort Bragg. When the dudes from Ranger Up, Nick Palasamo, and those dudes started doing YouTube videos, and we were all like, we all saw them on YouTube. We were like, well, you're a Ranger Panties on YouTube. Like, I mean, like, I was honestly, I was like, I would be in Ranger Panties on YouTube. I don't really give a fuck. Okay. But like, you know, they're doing like the, the punch out, go to work thing, and like the, you know, all the, all the, yeah, fucking stupid but hilarious stuff. Right. Like, who would have thought that that whole, like, I guess, content creator mm-hmm. veteran movement would have, you know, like blossomed into what right. it is now. And, and, you know, like, that's a wave, man. Like, you know, unfortunately, I missed it because I had other things going mm-hmm. on, but, <laughs> Yeah, you know, hopefully, hopefully this like distiller, like I think there's a wave of distillers, craft distillers, home distillers. There's a movement and a wave on the internet that's happened over the past three to four years uh, that I don't know. I think it's just like that kind of same blossoming. Like you look at guys like I don't know if you ever watched Bearded and Bored. Great great youtube channel guy is so humble so cool i mean jesse from still it george duncan from uh uh barley and hops uh then you got still works and brewing that guy is like he's just doing his thing man and all those guys have over like a hundred thousand subscribers on youtube right and that's and, that, and they that's all start right and it's at that point right people you know i start i explain to people i'm like Hey, help me get to a thousand, right? And again, I, it's a number that helps. That's it. It's a number <laughs> that helps when you're talking to advertisers outside of the YouTube space. Talk to people. They, oh, you have a thousand subscribers, right? That's a number. I mean, I hate to. I know there's always the things that you probably get them to on Instagram, where like, hey, give me twenty five bucks and I'll boost you up and and I'll and, boost your posts, right? Or no, get you followers and 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 there's a, there is a temptation part of it because then it's a sense of yes, you can present, but you know at the end of the day, the struggle is trying to explain to people that are still in traditional format is, well, what is the, what is the brand? You know, if I 
sponsor you or, or advertise with you? What am I getting out of it? What's my return? And you and, and there's a lot that don't understand that YouTube is the new format for because there's a lot of yeah. mis- look. If the best way to explain it is he got in very again got in early was Mr. Beast, Mr. Beast, right? Yeah. I, the eyeballs on on his stuff. I, that, that that's it right there, and that's how everybody. Everybody's trying to want to be a well, Joe Rogan. Everybody wants to be a Mr. Beast, but yeah. I know, I know, I know. I don't want to plug everybody, mm-hmm. but like, I got to plug a few people. Like, yeah. Phil Billy Moonshine. Look up Phil Billy Moonshine. Uh, I met, I've met the dude in person. I've, uh, you know, talked with him ad nauseum. Like, we th- we're on a, we're on a messaging thread together. Like, Phil Billy Moonshine three or four years ago had like a hundred subscribers. He's up to like 50 K right now. Wow. And it's literally because of this. I mean, I call it like crap. I call it the craft distillers movement. Like beer brewers had homebrew, the home brewing movement. Yeah. Winemakers had, Oh, I'm going to make my own saisons and or whatever the like. I don't even know wine that much, but whatever. I'm going to make my own Syrah in my basement. Like, where's our movement? Like, it's, it I, needs to happen. Yeah, I think it's happening. You know, I mean, I know versus craft at a you know the different levels because again, talking to some yeah. of the other company, you know, folks that are here in Florida that are making their own. That you know, and I explained that there's something that I didn't know until I got into this that. There was such a thing. I would just assume, oh, you have a rum brand. Oh, that you have a distillery. Can I come visit a distillery? Well, um, and then it's like, oh, and I start learning. Oh, this contract distilling and all these other things. <laughs> yeah, because and then I'm like, okay, that makes sense. You want a rum brand, but you know, it talk, costs a lot of money to start up a distillery. But then also, a lot of those guys started their recipes uh, not in a distillery, hmm. and that's the point that that I think needs to be driven home is, is that if we want the craft distillers movement to happen, then we need to enable craft distillers, AKA the same thing that happened in the home brew industry. Uh, We need to enable people to be able to create in that space outside of the parameters of you know what those agencies right. require because if 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 without that you're going to get the same so for all the bourbon drinkers out there without that you're going to get the same 51% yellow dent corn uh fucking 30% rye yeah cuz no, none of them none of them right. cuz none of them are willing to take the risk to take a step to the side and try something, the craft homebrew guys, or craft, and yeah, you know what I mean. Well, you know, how do you think we all got to love hops? Yeah, right. We yeah. all love hops. We all love hops now, not because Anheuser Busch, not because of fucking Coors, not because of, we all love hops because somebody was in their garage and was like, oh man, I think I added too much. <laughs> I guess we'll see what it tastes like. And then, Oh, I guess it tastes pretty good. Uh, I'm going to make another batch just like that one. And then they made another batch just like that one. And then they made one with more hops. And they were like, this is high. This is high hops. This is a, what do they call those? Double IPAs. Yeah, double IPA. Ooh, we just did something different. 
It's like, let us do that. Yeah. Because we will make you some shit that you ain't even. It'd be a. We'll take Elon Musk to the moon with our shit. <laughs> so, so again, to just to kind of come back in there, and I think where you're going, where you mentioned again, listen, listening to the Nooner Nation podcast you were on recently, what you explained, it wasn't so much about you know, being dangerous, whatever it was, the concern about, you know, the, the methanol and you're going to go blind, you're making, you know, bathtub, gin, whiskey, whatever, and you're going to go blind and all that. It's, you know, it's such a small thing. And again, if you're, you know, the, the worst of it is up front and, you know, in distilling, right? The heads and, or, you know, the, the nasty stuff. The four shots, like, yeah. so the way that people uh, prescribe, I think this is, this is the most, uh, I guess, uh, kids gloves way to, to go about it. The way that most people prescribe danger to a thing is uh, with, it's like they're putting out a fire. They want to put a big blanket over it and they want to say, um, they want to extinguish it, right? I think that although that is a proven method of a way to put out a fire, the best way that we all know is to take the fire extinguisher and do like the instructions say, pull the pin and spray it at the base of the fire. But we're not doing that. We're putting a blanket over creativity. We're putting a blanket over uh, people being able to express themselves through a distilled spirit. Uh, and at the end of the day, uh, the danger level that's prescribed to something like home distillation or uh, craft distillation, I would like it to be called, uh, you know, so I, I was talking with a bunch of people on a forum, I think something like 99 or 96%, I think the last time I saw it was like, we're all running electric. Nobody's running propane. There's no open fire. Like, no, and then... As much as everybody would like to think that, like, oh, you're moonshining, you're in the backwoods. It's like, no, no, no. Everybody does it in a warehouse or yeah. Uh, th- th- there's nobody. There's nobody really out in the woods doing it. It's <laughs> sorry. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but like that's yeah, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. So cool. like the the fact of the matter is, is that like the danger that we trust me, I was in the infantry, I jumped out of fucking airplanes. Like you can prescribe a danger to things where there's no real inherent danger, just so that you mitigate the amount of people that do something. And I feel like maybe it's not the spirits industry. Maybe it's not the government. Maybe it's not whomever, you know, the boogeyman. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of people out there that are wanting to and willing to express themselves through craft spirits. And I feel like because of the rules and regulations, they're not able to. And I, I think it's a disservice to the industry, to be honest. Right. Yeah. I, it's interesting. Sorry. No, it's all right. I'm no. stepping off. No, man. My no. soapbox. No, you're, 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 yeah, you're laying it, you're laying it down. <laughs> Again, JJ, I, I could, like I said, I know you're passionate. That's why you're very, uh, yeah, you're, uh, yeah, you you putting it out there. So so 
All right. No, so you, I, I pre. Yeah. All right. So, so all right. So, so you ready for the rapid fire? I know you know. Again, you. I'm you know, ready, ex, man. You know, I'm ready. Hold on. You know, you're vet, so you're not worried. Again, you jumped out of airplanes. Perfectly good airplanes, and uh, so forth. So, all right. So these are coming up here in in what we call in four sips or less. Mm, four sips or less. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Here. So in so again, this is a rapid fire. Don't think too much. Don't overdo it. Just kind of first thing that kind of comes to your mind. It could be a long, short answer or a long answer. But here we go. So in four sips or less, we ask all of our. Uh, Spirits guest, I guess we'll call it, is uh, this question here. All right. Neat or on, on ice? Neat. Okay. Okay. Very good. All right. Here. Let me just update. This is what happens when I have go. I go from a drum. Oh, a, a drum guest to a, <laughs> a rum guest. <laughs> like in four, four beats. Oh, wait a minute. That don't, that don't make sense. There we go. All right. We got it fixed. All right, cool. All right, so we're going neat. Okay, all right, tip. In four sips or less, number two here. All right, so what is a misconception people have about the Army Airborne? That you jump out of a perfectly good airplane (laughs) because the majority of the time, that airplane is broke as a joke. (laughs) Okay. That's a, that's that's fair enough. All right, okay. <laughs> in all right, in four sips or less, how much did you get paid for the Iron City beer commercial? <laughs> so Iron City liked my video of the Iron City beer commercial, and I actually know the head distiller that's at their new distillery that they're opening up. But alas, they told me that it was not 10-pound sledgehammers. It was 12-pound sledgehammers that they were that they were swinging. Uh, so I got it wrong, and they oh. they didn't pay me. So. Oh, man. That's on a technicality. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that sucks. They told us, yeah, it's not, it's not 10s. It's not 12s. <laughs> Uh, but I, I thought I got it. I thought I nailed it on the head with the you tell them, Joe. That's right. Yeah. No. You. I think you did, man. You. You were definitely laying it out there, man. Swinging. swinging hey, that was that was me in the woods during COVID. In the snow. Okay? In the like, snow too. In the snow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. COVID was it was flying all around us, and I was in the woods. And I was like, I'm gonna make this Iron City. <laughs> Yeah, so if you're again, check out the video over on uh, on, on JJ's page there. So search for YouTube. Hi and angry. All right, last question here. Four sips or less. What's the most fucked up thing that's happened while distilling? <clears throat> while distilling, I think. Everybody, everybody that I know has a problem with uh, their hot and chill water lines that run to your condenser, whether you're running a deflegmator, which is a condenser that goes at the top of a uh, rectifying column. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but like it's basically a pre-condenser to your uh, to your actual condenser. 
but the the water lines is a tough thing to get right mm. because most water lines are made out of uh, soft plastic. So if you're running water on that precondenser, the effluent water, so the water going out, can get really hot. And I still don't know anybody who has found like a good solution mm. to a 90 degree angle other than using a brass fitting or a hose coming directly off of and then having hot water come down that doesn't just bend and crimp. Mm. And there, there's little things like that with like design that are like weird. But like if I were to say like during this, like the last thing. So uh, that's a rabbit hole. There's there's vapor management and then there's coolant management. Uh, I choose coolant management, which has everything to do with your water temperature heading to both of your condensers. You need to be able to regulate that. But if you've got a crimp in one of your hoses, that fucks the whole process. Right. Up, so, okay. you know, that was that was a very slow four sips, you know. <laughs> I I have a tendency this is why they have to cut down on my shit on all the sh- other shows that I do because I have a tendency I, I'm trying to give you more there you go. so then you can cut it to less <laughs> alright no that's perfect so alright well I appreciate you there again you made it through the rapid fire again as as all of us, I put them through the pain and suffering is here. You got your drums and rums alum shirt there. I've got some shirts there. Again, our tagline there. Where's the camera there? Where's the backbeats meets the spirits there? So again, I appreciate JJ for coming on. I'll get this shirt out to you uh, eventually. Uh, I, I, again, I'm also the merch, my own merch guy too. So, you know, You're, <laughs> do it the, all. <laughs> you are a champion in my book, sir. I appreciate yeah. you. Do you got, do you got any <laughs> higher name shirts, right? Let's go talk about the shameless plugs. You got any higher name shirt? I want a shirt with so, the, the, shameless- the logo, right? Yeah. Shameless plugs. Uh, I mean, high and angry. I'm high and angry. I mean, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all all the platforms, Twitch, everything. Um, I don't have merch, mm. but once these other things come out that I'm filming, uh, the merch will probably come after that. I do. Uh, I will promote this because it is a shameless plug. Uh, I have a legal bottle of uh, 100% malted blue corn whiskey that's coming out um, through a local distillery here. I'm working with a great partner uh, at Lucky Science Spirits. And uh, so that that bottle will be coming out. This is our prototype. Uh-huh. It is Very cool. the Outpost right. cool. corn whiskey out. I'll, se- I'll send you a graphic. Okay, yeah. yeah. Basically, I took a picture of my first combat outpost in Afghanistan, and uh, my local artist, aka my wife, did a like line drawing and like really spruced it up and like made it look made it look cool as like a graphic uh, piece. So that bottle will be coming out. We're fermenting it right now, and it's uh, we'll probably distill it here soon. Um, but yeah, I mean okay. that's. That's really what I've got going on in the works. I, you know, in the future, you know, we can, we can collab on whatever, bro. Like, yeah. like I said, this industry, especially on this end needs to remain small 
in terms of like uh the craft people mm-hmm. the home distiller people like i th- i th- i'm telling you there's a couple of guys in your backyard and aka other people who have been on the master distiller show that are in your backyard that i think you should i'll tell you off air that you hook up with i think you know life. yeah the name you mentioned earlier it did it did ring a bell um because i think he stopped in a, a uh one of the distilleries in daytona the daytona beach area and uh, mm-hmm. i know i think they are either carrying something that he they've worked together on or something to that effect but i know they had made some posts uh so, i mean i give a shout out there is you know copper copper works yeah. or copper works copper bottom uh craft distilling in uh Holly Hill, Florida, just is right near in Daytona Beach area, and uh, uh, yeah, J- Jeremy's a you know great. He's yeah, he's the distiller guy. He's, <laughs> yeah. You know, and he yeah. and there's, there's, we, we've had a good discussion on how the you know when the term gets thrown around like head distiller or master distiller, and it's master like, distiller, and he's like, no, 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 that's not you know, it's it's a term, right? You you feel like you like nobody it's it's very hard to achieve or be recognized for that you just don't call it yourself or or just somebody just bestows it on you without yeah. feeling yeah, yeah, that yeah. your industry you know or whatever <laughs> you know you know recognizes you know you're you're recognized by your peers i think that's the part right exactly. that's the point right yeah so uh but cool no yeah i'll have to yeah we'll definitely have to t- chat and talk about it there so i know there's a lot going on so well, cool. Now, Jay, I appreciate definitely um, coming on, chatting. Um, I, again, I have a feeling if uh, if we wanted to make this a pod, a marathon podcast episode, we probably could. Uh, but you know, we know most people, you know, trying to drive in their car and listen to you know an over an hour and a half podcast. <laughs> well, Paul, Paul, I'm telling you right now, we will uh, we can give them the condensed version and and clips on Instagram if they cool. want it. We can uh, and we can also, you know, do do short lives if that is better to their liking. But to be honest, I'm really humbled to be able to be on here. And uh, uh, thanks for inviting me, man. Yeah, you got it. I appreciate it. So, uh, all right. So, again, I, I'd like to thank JJ for coming on the podcast, talking about it. It's his, his spirits, his distilling, his experiences. Uh, so check out the Drums and Rums podcast. Give it a like, follow. You know, again, that is, as, as we talked about, that is an important thing. Do the ratings and reviews because that's what people do look at, advertise all these things, right? I'm not just speaking out my ass. That's what everyone says. That's what Ross Patterson tells everybody to give us a five-star <laughs> rating and a review, right? And maybe I'm maybe if I get enough reviews, I'll be like Eric Tanzi and I'll actually start doing uh, read the reviews. But right now, you know, I don't have a whole lot. That's why I'm saying give me some reviews. Give me some feedback. Tell me if I'm good, bad, or whatever. Me, come on. That's I right. Yeah. Know. Yeah. So yeah, look for the other great episodes out there. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Subscribe to the YouTube page again. We're trying to push to a thousand, get to a thousand subs. Subscribe to you know, go to the website drumsrums.com. And I want to thank you all for uh, you know this episode. Again, have fun here, JJ. So again, thank you all. This is where the backbeats meets the spirits. Here's y'all. <laughs> <laughs>